to be raining a little bit. Did you notice? Uh, one kind of practice that's really fun, it's also actually part of Dzogchen tradition. We've kind of been doing it with the gong, but uh, it's also really nice and effective with natural sounds, like the sound of the rain. And that is actually a practice in Dzogchen, is to use, uh, basically to, to open the senses to the sense experience that's happening and let that kind of wash us away, uh, let that kind of break down the apparent separation between yourself trying to pay attention to something and the, and the sound itself, just letting the sound draw you in more and more, really just like that, uh, until uh, the ordinary structures of consciousness just start to dissipate in just a very natural way kind of like we've been doing with the gong. And then also, of course, very naturally and spontaneously, some underlying qualities of our basic awareness or Buddha nature can, can begin to emerge. Sometimes a little surprisingly, like a number of you named those qualities with the gong practice before, like, for example, a sense of peace or joy or... Uh, non-duality or transparency or openness a number of you name qualities like that those are qualities of our underlying awareness they just kind of naturally emerge and it's wonderful to do that with with rain I used to do that uh, when my children were were really little and uh, there was a a kind of a nature preserve uh, near where we lived and we used to go there I need to give my wife Barb a break or something so I'd bring my uh, kids over there and uh, there was a waterfall there and they'd they liked the pool where the waterfall uh, landed uh, and uh, they would be pretending they'd pretend to be fishing they'd find sticks as fishing poles and just pretend to be fishing with each other and I'd just be sitting there uh, with the waterfall sound just getting drawn into it more and more and then also of course as drawn into what the kids were up to as, as that was unfolding too so did anybody get washed away? are we all here? That's good. I'm not sure if the sound, the, 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 the building shuts out most of the sound. So it's a little, it's harder to practice inside here with the, with the rain than it is outside. So I hope it keeps raining so we can practice with it. That's something we can do in the evening. For right now, why don't we practice with the gong and also the sound of the rain, if that works for you, whatever, whatever sound works for you, okay? Just letting it draw you in more and more. And when you notice the mind wandering, again, the instruction is not, okay, now I have to bring my mind back to the sound, as if they're so separate from each other. But the instruction is just, when you notice your mind wandering, just let the sound draw you back to it and into it again more and more, letting the sound do it.
Now let's just do it with the sound of the rain for a little while. Okay, good. So the meditation we've been doing the last several sessions is a field of care meditation where we're now uh, exploring the the three basic principles for taking really whatever comes up into the practice itself, just in the ways that we discussed. And that's kind of a process and a direction of learning and uh, exploring and deepening. We're basically learning how to become a kind of a loving, healing environment for whatever parts of ourselves, senses of self, feelings, reactions come up, including very much within the body, as was, was mentioned. So that's a, a, a process of learning, and I think it can be a really deep one. That was meditation number two in our meditation handout. Everybody knows what I mean when I say our meditation handout. Now you, you should all have it. So we're going to skip ahead now to meditation number four. In the meditation handout, it's, it's called inclusive mode. And that's where we begin now to include others, uh, even many others, in this loving environment. Um, so basically we're letting the field of care meditation provide the secure base or what the field of care meditation evokes uh, a loving holding environment we let that be the secure base for us now to include others in the same loving healing qualities of uh, our Buddha nature So we begin the next meditation, inclusive mode meditation. It's called inclusive mode because we're including many others in that um, holding environment. 
we begin it by doing the field of care meditation. Well, we do some abdominal breathing always. And then we go into the field of care meditation as a platform of unconditional care from which to include uh, many others. Is that okay? I mean, why not, right? What do we got to lose? So it seems that things tend to break down into threes. I don't know if that's the nature of reality or <laughs> the way I think or what. But there are three key aspects of the field of care meditation that we draw on to empower the uh, inclusive mode medi- uh, meditation. So this is uh, partly a little bit new, even for people who have been doing this practice for a long time. And it's coming into the writing that I'm now doing for the uh, manual of this sustainable compassion training. So I'll sort of share it with you. So what are these three? There are like three key features of the field of care meditation that's good to be conscious of. That's why I'm naming them. That can help empower the inclusive mode meditation. The first is, uh, in the field of care meditation, um, you're letting the loving qualities that are evoked by the field of care make you into a loving, healing environment for all parts of yourself, right? I mean, that's the direction, at least, that we're exploring. And that becomes the basis in the inclusive mode, including many others, to become a loving, healing environment for for others. So another way to phrase that is, this is the the aspect, uh, this is the first aspect of the inclusive mode that's kind of profound in how it support, I'm sorry, this is the first aspect, key aspect of the field of care practice, which we say is receptive mode. The first key aspect of it that's really profoundly supportive of the inclusive mode is the loving acceptance and warmth and compassion that can hold all parts of us can also actually hold all other beings as if they were parts of our greater self. So I'll just repeat that. This is the first feature of the field of care practice that um, uh, profoundly uh, empowers the inclusive mode. The loving acceptance and worth and compassion that can spaciously hold all parts of us can also hold all other beings as if they were parts of our greater self. From a Tibetan Buddhist point of view, um, this is true of many Mahayana Buddhist traditions, I'll just sort of say it, even if it sounds outlandish. This is what our Buddha nature has always wanted to do. It wanted to flex its muscles in this way, and we didn't know how to let it. So in a sense, this basic kind of pattern is built into us from the ground up. And all the little wantings and wishings that we had that we thought were just about ourselves, or just a few that mattered to us, and the others don't seem to matter as much, you know, if we're honest. Not judging that, just 
that's kind of how we've been conditioned. All those smaller wantings and wishings to be well, for everything to be good, for me, for a few close to me. Underneath that is the wish of that in a much larger way, literally, for all beings. That's our actual wish. But it got narrowed down by the habits of both social and individual conditioning, narrows it right down. So then what I just said starts to sound outlandish. How can anyone say such a thing? Human beings are all selfish. Look at us. Let's be honest. We care more about ourselves or a few close to us than others. And that's true. I mean, that's, that's how we find ourselves. But that's not... That's not how the very depth or ground of our being is. The depth or ground of our being is taking expression in those limited, relatively self-oriented ways out of conditioned habits of mind. But if it was freed to take the expression that it wants to take, it would literally include all the other beings as if they were our greater self. So I'm just saying that, even though I know it sounds outlandish, probably, uh, to, to probably to many of us, but that's really some of the feeling of, of Tibetan Buddhist basic perspective. And that's shared actually with other traditions. I've talked about this with some of my Catholic colleagues at Boston College, and this is recognizable to certain of them. That there's something built into us in the very ground of our being that got really narrowed somehow, that wants to come out. So what we're up to, in other words, can feel like we're really struggling with ourselves for trying to become larger. But actually, the process is one of learning how to let our, to speak in a certain way, to let our real self, that in Buddhist understanding, that's a unity of emptiness and, and, and lucidity. So it's nothing solid, but in a sense to let our real self emerge and, and make us what we really meant to be all along. That we were too caught up in ourselves in a way and our conditioning with others around us to, to, to find our way back to more, more fully what we are. That's the basic idea. So already this first aspect of the field of care practice, you can see how profound it is from this kind of perspective. And by the way, that dialogue was not just with Catholic colleagues, it's also with Hindu colleagues, Muslim uh, colleagues of contemplative traditions, Jewish colleagues of contemplative Jewish traditions, um, indigenous religions, and on and on. There's some really foundational patterns that we're beginning to work with here much of which, as I said before, have been edited out of much of what, how we take up practices from these ancient traditions here in the modern West. And for that reason, it can sound surprising to us. Like, oh, what? I just thought that this was about learning a, discipline, a personal discipline of paying more attention or something. I didn't, I didn't think of it as being somehow this profoundly connected 
to all others, and all others who have learned to practice, already holding all of us, and, and all others who maybe haven't learned to practice yet, but it's already holding them, and that in order to more fully realize it, we, we begin to learn to hold them as well as an extension of how we are being held. We weren't exposed to that, and yet that's the very foundation of, certainly of all the Mahayana traditions of Buddhism, Tibetan, Zen, Pure Land. Of course, they're all kind of challenging. And then it's a foundational pattern within many other contemplative traditions, as I said. So anyhow, so that's the first key aspect of the field of care meditation. It's kind of like the loving uh, holding environment that can hold all parts of us, can also hold other beings as if they were us. It's like, <laughs> I remember one time there was a Dharma student who was a close friend of many of ours who actually made a bumper sticker out of that, all, all Beings Are Us. It was like a play off of Toys R Us. Yeah, because yeah, was, this was sort of dawning for her. Um, yeah, she actually did that. It was a bumper sticker. Anna, you know. Okay, you remember that. So with the second key aspect of that field of care meditation is... Um, that in the process we're settling into the loving qualities more and more, steeping in them, settling into them, being unified with them more and more, and ultimately in the releasing phase we settle right into their source in the depth of our being, the depth of our awareness, our Buddha nature, if you will, at least to some degree. I mean, that's the direction and process of the practice. And that source of these loving qualities is the infinite openness and lucidity and vast capacity of our Buddha nature. So then this is what comes into the inclusive mode is as we begin to, to, to sense and intuit and even access that kind of depth of our being that I just described, it's the most natural thing in the world then to sense that depth of being in others as well from our depth, to sense that depth in them. It's like prior to and beyond all the relatively silly, incredibly superficial ways that we tend to think about and react to each other almost all the time and talk about each other as if that's all we are. Is that sort of clear? So in the inclusive mode, from we're learning how as we learn to kind of Settle even a little bit in the, in the direction of settling into the depth of our being, the basic utter openness, sky-like openness, lucidity, and vast capacity of the depth of our being, our deep nature. Even a little. Right from there, if we're signaled properly, we can recognize, oh, I can sense this in others. I can sense this depth. And now we're in a very different level of being with everyone than the more familiar, endless, mutually reacting to each other, telling stories about each other, thinking of each other as just the very limited labels that we've learned to give each other, just this or that. Of course, all those labels also hold uh, useful information. It's, it's just that we're not conscious most of the time of how tremendously limited they are. It's fine to use labels and, and to think. 
It's just, could we also, would it be possible to actually come into a deeper level of awareness in which even as thoughts are occurring and labels for people and beings are arising, we recognize, we're actually recognizing their relativity so we can sort of sift them for the information they may have, but we're not actually believing any of them fully as if that's all that anybody is, just this or just that. Just an ant, A-N-T. I used to stomp on them when I was a child. I mean, many children did. And now I cringe when I think about that, how little I saw there. You know, a living being. And it's just an example. Okay, so those are the first two key features that are, uh, of the uh, field of care that uh, then empower the inclusive mode. The third feature is that, and this is, we've just, we spent a lot of time discussing this last session. Now it'll all come back. These healing, deepening aspects of this receptive field of care meditation also make us n- almost inevitably newly conscious of painful, reactive parts of ourselves layers of suffering in ourself, just as we've been discussing, that have also impeded our uh, fuller access to our depth and its qualities. And that's the basis in the inclusive mode to hold others in compassion with, with conscious of similar layers of suffering in them that they've also been caught up in, just like I have been, and am. Sensing that in them, too. Similar layers of suffering and reactivity in them that hide their depth, even as I'm sensing their depth. Painful parts of them with which they, too, struggle. So those are the three basic aspects. So, what's the first one? The loving, holding environment that can hold all parts of ourself and all the, everything that's coming up, thoughts, feelings, reactions. The loving, healing environment that can hold all parts of ourself like that can now also uh, be allowed, be permitted, in a sense, to hold all others. Um, second key point as we're learning to settle into these qualities steepen them, be unified with them, by them more and more and then ultimately begin to even settle into the source of those qualities in the, in the vast openness and lucidity of our basic awareness settle back a bit and it's right there as we learn that, we're, we're, getting, we're beginning to get a little bit in touch with more of the depth of our being, and right from there, we can sense that depth in others as well. It's not just me that has that depth. If we begin to access that depth, one sign of that is that we can sense it in others. And then we can't, at least within that vision, for that moment, we can't treat them We can't think of them and we can't treat them as if they don't have that depth. As if they're just the superficial, 
image that my mind is conditioned to construct them as. We can no longer just relate to them as only that. Even as those kinds of thoughts and images continue to happen, but they're, they're getting relativized, at least for that moment. So, okay, so clear enough so far, those are the first two aspects of the field of care that empower the inclusive mode. And then the third one is reactive parts of ourself, layers of suffering in ourselves that are revealed by this process of, of um, becoming newly conscious with the help of this loving holding environment that's evoked by a field of care. Reactive, struggling layers of suffering in ourself uh, signal us also, help us sense from inside what others also harbor in them, hidden layers of suffering in them. Not just the constantly smiling faces, at least in our culture, that we're supposed to always have, especially at Dharma centers, sorry. Oh yeah, happy, happy, happy. It's all about being happy all the time. That's a sign that I really know what I'm doing. I'm not sure that it is. There's a story about a, a very renowned, revered, Tibetan Lama who was crying all the time for what beings are going through. You could sort of feel it. I tell that story sometime in my undergraduate classes and my students would just say, what? That seems really wrong. (laughs) He's been doing all these spiritual practices. He's supposed to be some revered spiritual figure and he's crying all the time. So I only mention it, even again, it sounds, maybe it sounds outlandish, but I'm just mentioning it. I don't mean we have to cry all the time. I'm just saying there's more sides to all this. Maybe sometimes we should be crying and we don't realize it yet. And then other times we can take some joy in the fact that we're starting to realize we should be crying for what beings are going through. And even for how I've mistaken them for such superficial impressions of them and I'm conditioned to continue doing so. Maybe we should be crying about that. And then maybe can even take some joy in the fact that we're, we're actually starting to catch on to something. How lost I've been, how lost we've been together. Like that, and there could be some joy in that. Because we're not just lost. What's showing us how lost we are is some really profound insight and compassion. And that's a whole other side of what we are. But maybe one of its first expressions is that we start crying. We're not just happy, happy, happy. As as if everything's just okay on the surface level that it's appearing. As if we're not all going to die here. As if we're not all already dying here. As if we're not going to be crying when we get closer to that. Or maybe we don't have to. If we cry now first, maybe we won't be quite so much later. Maybe when we're dying, we can just settle into more of what we are. And uh, let the very natural compassion and wisdom in settling more and more into the depth of our being as we're dying, because what else is there to do anyway? After all, we're dying. 
so why not? <laughs> and the dying process is sort of moving us in the direction of depth of our being according to the accounts, at least in Tibetan Buddhism, so why not let it? If we have some familiarity with that, settling in more into the depth of our being, being willing to. And then there's a lot of compassion for everyone and what they're going through there when they're dying. And a lot of wisdom there. And then there can be much more of a sense of things as we're dying. And we could be with others who are dying or have died and their families and not be quite so afraid. Of course, we can be grieving, but not just grieving, also kind of wise. Power of compassion there. Joy in being real, getting real. Even in the face of uh, what seemed like difficult things. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Anyhow, so here we go. Uh, so another aspect of all this is if, if you, within the inclusive mode now where we're, we're letting this loving holding environment to whatever degree we're beginning to access that, it holds all parts of us and starting to let it hold others. If, if you're part of a group or a community of people that, that need deep healing, you can include them all in that meditation. I just raise it up because we might not realize that. So who to include? The, the meditational instruction will say, well, begin first by just including someone that it feels natural and that you'd like to include. Don't go first for Hitler, okay? Really, I've had that happen at retreats. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> we just want to get started on something here and get to Hitler later, okay? Um, so first, someone that feels natural that you'd like to include in this loving, holding environment it can be so deeply healing for anyone. And then a few more that you'd like to include, and then a few more. But that can also include your community, if they've been through a lot, or if your ancestors have experienced a lot of trauma. That's happened for some of us. You can include them all in this loving, holding environment. You can think of it that way. A deeply healing environment. There are several Dharma teachers who really go way into that. Lama Rod Owens is one of them. Charles Giles is another. Thinking of their communities as African Americans and what they've been through over generations and just really holding them. So we're going to begin the inclusive mode meditation with a brief uh, field of care practice and then we're going to let its loving environment just embrace, that embraces all parts of us become a similar environment for others as if they were parts of our greater self. Really it's just like that, as if they're parts of our greater self. And we let that also help us commune, commune with them, meaning what I mean by that is to sense them beyond superficial judgments or to resonate with, with those others more in the depth of their being, in their deep capacity and basic, the basic space in the ground of their being and profound lucidity and uh, vast capacity that's also partly hidden in them as it has been in ourselves to sort of resonate with that and sense that in them. That's part of what I mean by communing with them, sensing their deep dignity, 
and capacity. And then also, while also sensing them in their hidden layers of uh, struggle and suffering, and just wishing them deeply well. Okay? So all three of those features are there in what I just said, and that'll be part of the instruction. Then we're going to start, as I said, with just one person or being that you'd like to include in this way. It feels natural for you to include them. Your mind just gravitates to including that person or being. And then a few more like that. And then uh, wider circles. And then, as with the field of care meditation, if, if a part of you comes up that has trouble with this, <coughs> or trouble including others, draws your attention away to other things, then just like with the field of care meditation, just settle back into your field of care and reunite, reunify with its loving environment and just become compassionately aware of that part of you with spacious acceptance and warmth and let it process itself. And if and when it settles, then you just return again to the inclusive mode. Okay? Can we give it a try? So you may need to uh, freshen up a little bit in your place if you want, stretch a little bit. Okay, so how about some abdominal breathing to begin? How does that sound, everybody? (laughs) Okay, so again, just sitting in a relaxed way. The back can be comfortably straight. The eyes can be open, but gazing gently downward if that works for you. And just settle from the thinking mind into the body. And then, again, some abdominal breathing. So you take a slow, deep breath, inhaling from the abdomen so it expands. And then exhaling slowly and completely. The slowly and completely part's important on the exhale. And you can relax a moment if you like. And then inhale again. And just repeat that a few times.
And now you can just let the breath settle into its own natural flow while breathing from the abdomen. And let the feeling of the abdomen moving with the breath just draw you into it more and more now. Just like letting the sound of the gong draw you in. Here, letting that feeling draw you into it. Now you can bring to mind your field of care, what, the one that's effective for you right now, for connecting to, for evoking loving qualities. And um, think of that as present here now, happening now, not just a memory. So you can begin to feel that you're being seen or held in deep care compassion, warmth, acceptance, prior to all judgments, beyond all judgments, just held in that. And then you just relax into that experience and steep in its loving energies and qualities and just let them spaciously infuse your whole being. Your whole mind and body. Every part of you loved in its very being. And whatever thoughts or feelings or parts of yourself may come up, just let them just be naturally included in this loving, healing environment. Let all such thoughts and feelings just process themselves in this loving space in their own time by letting them be. And now think of someone kind of dear to you that you'd naturally like to include in this same loving environment and let them also be included in this field of loving energy and warmth and acceptance. Just someone that you'd like to include. Now let them be included. 
and let that help you commune with them in the depth of their being, their deep dignity, beyond narrow labels, and in their hidden layers of suffering, while just wishing them deeply well. Just wishing them deeply well. And now, if you'd like, you can let a few more people or beings come to mind that you'd like to include in this kind of loving environment of warmth and acceptance and, and let them also be included along with that first person. So letting this loving, holding environment help you to commune with them in the depth of their being and resonate with them in their deep dignity, sense their hidden layers of suffering, and to wish them deeply well. Just that one wish. And you can let this practice expand to include larger circles of people and beings if you'd like. Just including them all in this field of loving energy and warmth and acceptance. And sensing them all <coughs> in their depth and their hidden sufferings. And wishing them deeply well. Those larger circles of beings now. And finally, if you wish, you can let this vast <clears throat> underlying capacity of warmth and compassion from your basic awareness, you can let that expand much more fully now to include all beings, human, animal, all creatures, or just imagine that's happening. 
they're all being included in this loving environment. And let that help you commune with them all in the depth of their being and in their hidden sufferings while wishing them all deeply well. And now for the final releasing phase, you can just let this pervasive environment of loving warmth and acceptance just help your mind to just relax deeply and just let go of all of its frameworks of meditation or, or worry. And just let the mind now settle back a bit inwardly and come to rest in the background of its awareness, which is already naturally wide open and luminous like a sky. And let whatever thoughts or feelings arise now just process themselves in this sky-like openness of awareness by just letting it all be. Thank you.
So this inclusive mode of meditation, ultimately, it includes powers of wisdom and love and compassion that would ultimately exclude no one because all are being kind of known and held both in their depth, in their deep nature, and also in their hidden layers of suffering beyond uh, all the superficial labels and judgments of the world. So ultimately nobody can be excluded, no one. All the reasons we would think of for why we should definitely exclude this one are superficial. They're uh, not knowing. They're not wisdom. Uh, from the perspective of this tradition. That doesn't mean we can't challenge anybody in the way that they think or behave. Quite the opposite. It's a much more foundationally stable, wise platform from which to challenge anyone about how they think or how they behave or what they do. Anyone. But if we were to deepen in this direction of practice, and that takes its own time, increasingly we would be challenging them out of genuine um, care. Like your, uh, like your parent challenged you when you were a teenager, perhaps. Or maybe some, your middle school teacher. I had a couple middle school teachers that challenged me when I was in middle school. Who, who did it, I could tell in retrospect they, that there was a look of care in their eyes and, with, and they were challenging out of care, and, but it was challenge, you know. Does that make any sense? So that's a bit, that could, that's a bit unusual, but not totally unusual. I bet many of us, or, or maybe even all of us, have had experiences like that. Challenged out of care, not out of, I can't stand you because you're such a piece of crap, whereas I'm very good and my people are good, but your people are horrible. Not that kind of challenge. Martin Luther King had that. That was really a big part of his power. So did Gandhi. I'm not saying that all these people are perfect people. Because people often object. Well, yeah, but Gandhi did this and that, and he didn't treat the untouchables properly. That, that's true. But there was some power to him, and it was coming from this, actually. And also Martin Luther King, definitely. He parsed it out how to move into this direction more and more as, as a power of challenge, out of love, and as the key to social change. Martin Luther King. And then a good many others around him, and then through history from there, from there on. King was very attached to Gandhi, but, um, I mean, learned a lot from him, but Many learned a lot from Martin Luther King, and then that became a whole flow. So this is a part of our world, and this is also a direction of our learning. To say that nobody actually ultimately can be excluded from this kind of love and compassion and wisdom that senses them in their depth, their vast underlying capacity, with tremendous compassion for them also in their hidden layers of suffering, or obvious sufferings, 
the fact that nobody would be excluded has nothing to do with whether or not we can challenge anybody. It has to do with how we would relate to anybody about anything. Something that needs to be challenged, or needs to be confirmed, or upheld. Anything that needs to be done. Um, could be done uh, much better from this kind of platform. That's the, just the basic argument. So that was the argument too in my book, Awakening Through Love, but it's really coming from the tradition itself. I mean, that is the power of the Dalai Lama. He's not just some figurehead figure on high. This is what his practice has done to him. And then a good many other figures also associated with him and other key figures. And then not just in Tibetan Buddhism, obviously, but across Buddhism, and not just in Buddhism, but across many traditions. So much of this. Bishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador is willing to die for this, standing up for uh, impoverished people of El Salvador against, you know, and challenging the landlords. The whole thing was out of love. And he knew they might kill him, and they did. I was a bishop in El Salvador. So this is a power in our world. It's also one that we can kind of begin to explore into more and more. And it's, it's related, you know, it's, uh, our practices are all related to it, that kind of power. Okay, so uh, what did this meditation or the framework of it uh, newly show you or raise up for you and any questions about it then feel free um, yeah there's somebody uh, yeah, we should switch it now. Thanks, Matthew, for remembering that. So we switched basically to private recording just for retreatants when we go into this kind of mode. <coughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.